From Coney Island to St. Mark's Place. From Berlin to Alaska. From on stage at Max's to Tai Chi classes. From Lou Reed to Lou Lou. This is Talking Lou. I'm Paul Colantoni. And I'm Jim Callahan. And welcome to Talkin' Lou. Uh, today we're going to cover his second album, Transformer. Oh yeah, this will be real easy. Because we've only attempted to do this like uh, for I don't know how many weeks at this point. <laughs> yeah, we had a thunderstorm, so recording was a little... Would have sounded a little messy. Would have heard a lot of rain hitting the windows and, and all that type of stuff. Not as good as the guy yelling in the street. Oh literally. yeah, yeah. A neighbor was uh, starting a fist fight out in the street and could hear it through the uh, through these mics <laughs> and through our headphones. Uh, but hopefully tonight, you know, everything's going to go according to plan. So this is our second episode. This is his second album. Uh, it was produced by David Bowie. Yeah, that David Bowie and that guy uh, and Mick Ronson. You know, a longtime guitarist and collaborator with David Bowie. What, what was, what's this, some of the other stuff he's like worked on that's like really really big? Any idea? Oh, it'd be uh, Ziggy Stardust. And the, the Ziggy Spiders Stardust, yeah, that, that's of course the rise, which, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. Oh yes, which actually more. that came out the same year, nineteen seventy-two. Yes, it did. Like literally, like these two albums are months apart. Mm-hmm. That album came out in June of seventy-two. Uh, Lou Reed and David Bowie played some shows together, like in July of that year, and then okay. in August they went right into the studio to record this one. Yeah, this one was recorded in London at Trident Studios, uh, November of 1972, uh, over the course of 10 days. Well, it has a lot of that glam rock elements that the Ziggy Stardust album did. I mean, you have Mick Ronson's guitar on there, which is instantly recognizable. Yeah, that whole Ziggy Stardust is an amazing record. I still, my second or third favorite Bowie album, probably. Yeah, I would but, say it's my favorite. It's the first one I really got into yeah uh, most but... easily accessible the, these these two records like pair up really really well sure yeah it's, it's you you can put them on back to back it's it's the same thing and then what a fictional character ziggy stardust the character is. yeah you know he comes to earth to save us because we only got five years left of yeah I, and I, I just if you've been paying attention to the climate change report we only have three Oh man! So the newsman, the newsman really—the newsman was like, uh, he wasn't just weeping. He was like, you know, he was pulling a Bud Dwyer and shooting himself. (laughs) (laughs) Pennsylvania legend, Bud Dwyer. Yes, yes. You kids can look up Bud Dwyer or uh, Christine Chubbuck, who is the actual that that was the thing that actually happened in 1974. She she was an anchor that shot herself. Oh wow! I don't know about that. Yeah, there's a really really depressing movie called Christine, not the John Carpenter movie. I was going to say, but but it's because that's that, a little depressing. That 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 movie's fun. <laughs> this movie from 2016, not as much fun. <laughs> yeah, what's fun about that movie is when the guy's trying to break into the car, the radio starts saying, "You keep on knocking, knocking you, you can't come in." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah the, uh, Rock and roll jokes. <laughs> I love them. Suicide jokes. Yo, man, there you go. Yeah, it's right. real full circle. There, there we go. I, I figured it out. I figured so it out. this has all those elements of glam rock that we were talking about earlier. It's similar to Ziggy Stardust and. And the spiders from Mars? Yeah. You <laughs> pointed at, like... If, oh, oh, I see. You know, other bands of the era, especially Oh, in uh, England, T-Rex. T-Rex. T-Rex is huge. Yes, one. huge. Uh, the Sweet, Slade. Uh, the singles from this record, uh, the first one was Walk on the Wild Side, backed with Perfect Day, which is like a double A-side, yeah. you know, in itself. Uh, and then in March 73, uh, second single was Satellite of Love, backed with Vicious. Then in July of 73... The single was Vicious, backed with Goodnight Ladies. Wow. I, so I, I actually didn't know Vicious ended up being a single after all, because I've, I've seen a, 
an interview with Bowie like much later saying he wanted Vicious to be like the lead single. Yeah, well, it, it was kind of got overruled there. Yeah, the intro, the first song on the album. Yeah, it's a great, great. It, there's not a bad song on. No, this absolutely not. Like, objectively, it's and, just uh, perfect. In my opinion, they all are in the right place. The track order is mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, for it, this. you can't say that about a lot of records, but the, this one totally like beginning to end it's just it's it's pretty perfect yeah it's a work of art really so this will um, this will be a, a rather non-controversial like take on this album but there's no. just there's so much about it about the making of it about the content of it that's timeless and it's the 50th anniversary of this year is it yeah, yeah. it is it's 2022 1972 been a minute and yeah this is definitely his most famous record his most critically acclaimed record so we're gonna have a lot to say about it so, uh, four of the 11 songs were Velvet Underground songs, or at least performed by Velvet Underground. And those were Andy's Chest, Satellite of Love, New York Telephone Conversation, and Goodnight Ladies. I've definitely heard the Satellite of Love uh, demo. Right, which sounds much different. Yeah, it's, but like, that's like a, even though the, these were like, may have been like reworked from Velvet Underground stuff, this is not like the first record where like, it's clearly like more of a demo and he's still finding his footing. This one, this whole album is so much more confident. And even like, even if some right. of the lyrics are the same, like it's the, just the, the whole production of the whole thing. It's it, it everything couldn't seems be more on different. purpose. Yeah, and it's 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 a uh, it's it's just wonderful. Playing drums on this one was John Halsey, and the bassist and tuba player was Herbie Flowers. Uh, these are both session musicians, but we'll talk more about them as we do the track by track. Now, with the album art, the cover was taken by Mick Rock. He accidentally overexposed it, uh, so when he showed Lou the contact sheet, uh, he loved it. So it took him 12 attempts to recreate that accident to get the cover exactly right. No kidding. So, and David Bowie's ex-wife got him dressed for the cover. She was like, you can't wear that. We're getting you some clothes. (laughs) So she got him uh, a black suit uh, covered in rhinestones, and he put on that Japanese makeup that washes all the color out of your face. Yeah. Was it the kabuki thing? Is that what was it called? Or am I saying I think so. And speaking of which, I thought about this the other day. It's just like... I could imagine him doing some kind of ill-advised, like, racist... Oh, uh, Maybe well, not for the time, like, Japanese kabuki thing. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like... That tracks for him. <laughs> I mean, that tracks just for the era, too. Yeah, I mean, like, true. there's, a, Film James, and all that, there's yeah. a James Bond movie from a year or two before where he's, like, I'm gonna be... Sean Connery's, like, I'm gonna be a Japanese now. And so he puts on, like, <laughs> these, on, like, Sean. weird eyes, and he's wearing, a, like, a... like. What, what the hat? It, no, not the hat. That you're thinking like Vietnam. It's oh, like okay, it's yeah. just like, but like you know the whole garb, and it's just it's it's so bad. But like that's kind of like what was going on. <laughs> it's like I think the really if you think about it, it's like Japan and America are starting to become friendly again, right? Like big time, and so there's there's more cultural like crossover, and then there's bad cultural appropriation that goes with it. So, but even if that's the case here. It's that the album cover, like, you wouldn't pick that out exactly. It's like, especially, like, the way it's photographed. Right. So it's like... It, it looks glam. It yeah, looks like it, a it, glam rock... Um, it looks like a glam rock album you're about to purchase. Yeah, I did not know that that's what they were, like, kind of going with there. But it's right. like, you know, it's it's perfect just, like, as a photo, you know? it's mm-hmm. not, It doesn't look like it's, like, ripping off or, like... Right. culturally reappropriating anything even if they maybe the origins might have been that it, no he just wanted to wear makeup I think, yeah really. i mean like yeah and he was no stranger to that right so especially at that time what's it like um singing to japanese people 
But did you like it? Love it. I would live in Tokyo if I could. How did they if react to you? That's why I live in Tokyo. So they loved you? No. They hated me. And then on the back cover, uh, Carl Stoker shot those. Uh, he's known, he did the first three Roxy Music album covers. Okay. The women on them. Uh, he took the photos for the back cover, which was of a woman and a man. There was a lot of rumors that it was Lou Reed in drag, and then Lou Reed in, in certain clothes as the man, which is not true. The woman was a model named Gawa Mitchell, and uh, the, the man was a friend of Lou's named, <laughs> named Ernie Thormallen. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, and he shoved a banana down his pants. Uh, yeah, it always looked like a banana to me, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Um, it ranks... 194 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Album list, but I mean, fuck Rolling Stone. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, th this is another thing uh, I think we should, uh, we, just between you and me right now, Paul, sure. that, that for, and for everybody else listening, I don't know that I want to rank order of, like, which album is the best necessarily. Right, yeah. Because that, especially with the good stuff, that only, like, because to me, lists like that, then it just becomes a thing with, like, yeah, I, I like this. Uh, I like this awesome thing, and I like this other awesome thing. But you're an idiot for liking that first yeah. awesome thing more than the second awesome. And plus, thing. this isn't like a Seinfeld uh, podcast where it's like, well, Kramer's number one, George is number two. Yeah, like, fuck that. Yeah, it, it. Like, I mean, like Rolling Stone. I mean, they had their purpose. Sure, uh, of and, course. And I'd say fuck Rolling Stone. Not. In I say fuck Rolling Stone not in its entirety, but just as... No, I mean, like, they have it's a history... It's a fun punk thing to say, isn't no, it? No, but it's also, it's never been wrong. It's never been wrong to just sort of just feel like, sort of shrug your shoulders at the whole thing. I mean, they, they've had, there's, there's a lot of history there. They've covered a lot of it, but yeah, yeah, especially have to take the review section always with a grain of salt. Yeah, especially when it's us too. Yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, look, we're some opinionated, crotchety old fuckers. So, yeah, I mean, like, something like that. So it's, it's you know... But 194, like, what's above? What's the top ten? Like Bob Dylan and the Beatles, and then that's it, right? I don't it's know. Like every, uh, every... The Killers is 193, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be something irritating. MGMT as shit. or something. Yeah, it's just and like... nothing against those guys, but I mean, no, I have everything against those guys, right, so it's fine. it's fine, and and not even that I care, but it's, it's just, just the first modern, yeah. modern, <laughs> modern as now, of 15 man. years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. So in this album, it uh it peaked at number twenty nine on the Billboard album charts, and then up to thirteen on the UK album charts. And then what I failed to mention was Klaus Vorman uh, plays bass on four of the songs. He's worked with uh well, he did a lot of album covers. He designed the cover of Revolver by the Beatles. He did work with Billy Preston, with uh, George Harrison, with Paul McCartney, with Harry Nilsson, the Bee Gees. Uh, he designed a Turbo Negro album cover. I was briefly a member of the Plastic Ono band. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and uh, he worked with, uh, as a producer, the band Trio. I don't know if you remember the name, but he did that worldwide hit, Da, Da, Da. Oh, uh, yeah, commercial it was, like, like, around the year 2000 or so, 1999, 2000, that song was everywhere. And I remember, I remember the yeah. whole thing. And then, and then uh, a band I actually liked, a lot elastica covered it oh really yeah okay. for their on their second album the Didn't second and final record the menace but he was a session musician uh he was also the bassist for manfred man uh from 66 to 69 he performed on carly simon's you're so vain uh, see a lot of the people we talk about that are working on these albums they either uh, previously or went on to do like really iconic things yeah well know? it was the time when like you could do that sort of thing. I yeah. Think. I mean, not. I'm sure people do that now, but like you know, I'm not as plugged in. I just know what I know about this sort of thing. So, and then even then, I'm still learning. That's the whole. That's the whole uh, 
run of this project that we're going forward with. That's why I'm, it's so exciting for me. Right. And then Ken Scott was the engineer in the studio on this one. Okay. So David Bowie has always said in interviews that he was really intimidated to work with Lou. He was intimidated by his legacy of the Velvet Underground, which was a huge influence on him. I also want to like. I think when they uh, when they met the first time, they both uh, sort of like eyed each other, like right, like, like who the fuck are you? You're cool, but are you cool? Yeah. That that seems to be like the meaning because like, well, Hunky Dory had been out, so yeah, but like Bo- Bowie didn't. He are, he already had sort of a hit with uh, Space Oddity, right? Uh, but but David's manager had been to the states and he brought back a test pressing of Velvet Underground's debut album and gave it to Bowie, which was a total game changer for him. So and <laughs> Bowie was just absorbed with like the unbelievable coolness of it. The manager was a uh, Tony Zanetta, I believe, uh, right? Okay, yeah, they, or he was or became future manager, I believe. He like they were. It was just he was like an industry guy at the time. But like they they uh, Bowie and Lou and then Iggy Pop all met. Within that, like like that same week, Sacred Triangle. Yeah, and there's a great photo of the three of them like hanging out together. And there's a great documentary. I think it's called The Sacred Triangle. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Cool. So throughout the record, you can hear David Bowie uh, doing backup vocals here and there. Mm-hmm. And I guess when we do the track by track, we'll talk about that more. But some of them, to me, like they make me laugh a little bit. Where he does like the bum 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 and all that stuff it's like it's goofy and the I'm, same thing on on iggy pop's uh lust for life all the backup vocals yeah but like they're, they're a little they're, more subdued on this album than they are later in 77 it's a satellite of love you can hear them the most oh, clearly yeah. on but i didn't realize until like the last couple of listens like really hearing him like that yeah, he was the, on new york the pre-course of vicious it's in there yeah he's doing the stuff yeah he's, he's he's on it more more than i realized mm-hmm. like after all yeah when time. you're listening for it specifically you're just like oh man he's all over this thing, yeah you know The first Lou Reed album came out in, uh, what was it, uh, February? Right. February of 1972. This is also, this came out in November 1972. We want to cover 1972 as a whole, just a, a little bit of what was going on in the world, and then particularly in New York City at right. that time, because it all connects, especially with Lou Reed and like so many of his lyrics, they all connect to the era they're from. So it puts the, and context is key with so much of his stuff, because yeah. there's outdated, uh, terms that he'll use sure. there's his sense of humor that comes from that the just everything the good the bad and the ugly the good the bad and the loo it's all here right but it's context helps explain a ton of this stuff not just with this record but i think pretty much every album going forward yeah because he's always writing about like his immediate world and what's going on around yeah so talking about what was going on in the whole length of 1972 in new york city specifically we didn't want to forget about on here 1972. Now, what was happening, Jim? Well, like, uh, let's see. It's New York in 1972. I'm gonna g- jump around a little bit. Sure. First of all, like with every with all these years, let's uh, first things first. Who's the mayor? The mayor was a man named John V. Lindsay. Mm. He was a Republican who became a Democrat in December of 1971. He served New York from January 1st, 1966. To December thirty first, nineteen seventy three, he was a guy that I got to uh, pose with uh, one of the Rockefellers there at, over the construction of the the old Twin Towers, the oh, World Trade wow. Center. That w- those were built in nineteen sixty six, his first year in office. Okay. They were started started to be built anyway. The construction was finished like a few years later. Mm-hmm. But he was uh, he was a uh, a guy that oversaw saw uh, New York 
as it like changed from like the big bustling metropolis watch well, it never stopped being but like it was the big clean place that suddenly became the very dirty place right that was and that would became more and more run down as the 60s became the 70s sure kind of an unpopular guy depending on who you ask this this interest this uh was funny to me uh 60 of new yorkers called his job performance poor and then like another i think according to wikipedia anyway another like it was like another 30 thought he was doing okay nobody said he was doing a great job no. <laughs> <Not great. laughs> come on Lindsay, you can do better the cops kind of had a kind of bit of a beef with him because uh he uh didn't uh back the blue guys like oh. wholesale there was actually a pretty famous incident actually in this year in 1972 where uh the cops uh raided a uh black uh, muslim church where of all people louis farrakhan was there mm. that louis farrakhan and there was an incident where like some guys had like were thieves or something they ran into this uh this uh muslim uh, mosque for a uh, sanctuary and uh then there was a there was a gunfight and uh, a couple of cops got shot and killed right and then they they uh the muslims claimed that the cops were shot ultimately shot themselves when a bunch of backup came in and then they all just started firing and they shot their own officers the the cops of course claimed otherwise and uh, right. the guys that they were after they uh, they gra- ultimately were after to begin with were up for murder but i thought that was pretty crazy it was a thing where like i think uh, if that had happened today it'd be like a whole other narrative that right. would, it would take up the whole news cycle uh the other big thing i wanted to bring bring about uh, heroin really big around this time it had been uh-huh. it was huge in new york huge in the country uh it's one of the first of uh over 30 years like like the big bigger drug waves right like other stuff that's going on there was a serial killer named charlie Chopoff who murdered four children hold on that's his real name that's the nickname they gave oh, okay him. it's like Chopoff. no it's like it's he like, was born to kill us that, <laughs> or maybe be a lumberjack or it's just i i just saw that name charlie Chopoff, and i was like that's clearly the new york post or somebody came say, up that like when they day. interviewed the neighbor it's like we thought charlie Chopoff. he was so quiet there was a as nice a guy, guy they had they had a suspect ultimately released for lack of evidence right but like he the, the whoever this person was ultimately four children three black one puerto rican case unresolved there james brown did a show at rikers island that Febu- february that year cool. that was fun a uh, big thing that you and i were talking about a couple like uh the other week uh in congers new york which right. is like the outskirts this is the story that like your dad knew about because right. it, and it's also had a ripple effect to the entire country because a school bus was hit by an oncoming train there were no uh, railroad gates whatsoever no lights the driver didn't see the train coming it smashed into the into the school bus mm-hmm. killed killed like four students five, four yeah. or five students and the dri- bus driver was charged with like with all the crimes like for, negligence yeah all like that, that shit yeah. and uh because of that that accident that's the reason why all School buses stop at railroad crossings and hold up your morning commute now. Right. Um, now, my dad was, he graduated in 66, but he was home with his mother and actually heard the crash. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and he was worried that his younger brother, who was like 10 years younger than him, was on the bus. So he thought it was a Clarkstown bus. It was actually a Nyack bus. Um, well, like, just the fact that he heard it, that's, yeah. that's remarkable. Wow. It's, I think his name was Mulder, the school bus driver. That actually, I, I didn't uh, write down that little bit of information. And it, yeah, so. he was trying to beat the train, I guess. And, and uh, 
yeah, it's just it's just awful. Just yeah. an awful thing, but also just like it's like how many lives were saved by making yeah, sure they I mean, have the gates and the lights and like uh, everything else forced and, to open the door of the bus and, and actually listen. Yeah. You know. I mean like everything else uh, like in not just in the particularly in this country. I won't speak for the whole world, but since I'm an American I'll speak for America. It's like <laughs> we don't do anything that's smart or safe until something god awful happens. Right. And then nowadays, not even then. Yeah. So, I mean, but like back back uh, fifty years ago, uh, they tried to learn from some of their mistakes. Right. It's a an election year, so uh, Richard Nixon mm-hmm. is currently president of the United States. He's running against a guy named uh, George McGovern, for, mm. who is a Democrat. Uh, New York City held a a little uh, fundraiser at Madison Square Garden called Star Spangled Women for McGovern. Uh, had a lot of uh, who's who of celebrities there at the time. Uh, had Dionne Warwick, Tina nice. Turner, and the Ikeettes, Shirley MacLaine, Warren Beatty's running around. It raised a million six in 1972 money. Wow! So big, big deal. And uh, Paul, do you think that helped the Democrats take? The White House. You're talking about President McGovern? Yeah. I never heard of President <laughs> McGovern. No, because in November 7th, 1972, Nixon won in a disgustingly awful landslide. Yeah. So, yes, did not work out. Uh, other little stuff uh, going on. I just want to briefly mention uh, big movies at the time. Uh, the Godfather, mm. Blackula, The Getaway, great, great. Uh, Hold what? on. Let me pause right there. <laughs> the Godfather? <laughs> Blackula? It's like, <laughs> yes. First I mean, of all, uh, they sounded a little bit like the movie phone guy. It was like, Blackula. <laughs> press two for Blackula. Press one for The Godfather. It, all right, you didn't sound I, like that. I, I felt like saying that. No, well, yeah, I mean, you should have that job if that was still a job. Hey, I'm woodshed in here. Hey, oh, uh, the other, there, there's a bunch of bunch of movies I wrote down. Uh, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which I think oh, nice. was the, uh, was that the fourth or the fifth one? Let me think. Battle for. I think that was that's uh, that's got to be the fourth, fourth I one. I think Conquest was the Conquest last. is the last, yes. But Battle for Planet of the Apes, that I love that movie. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah. they're all good ones. Yeah, uh, another movie, a little movie called Frogs, which was an early Sam oh, Elliott movie. Yeah, almost like a uh, uh, Birds or uh, Jaws. Type yeah, of yeah. Well, Jaws was later. It was Jaws, but, is, but it's like, but it is that like it was a PG movie, but PG in 1972. Yeah, that that went a lot. Yeah. Th- that, but it went a lot farther. Yeah, and like it's it's kind of a creepy little like swamp thriller, I guess you would call it. Swamp thriller. <laughs> another really good uh, black exploitation film. I like. A lot called slaughter and uh and then the movie deep throat came oh. out this year it's 1972 but in 1971 richard nixon first used the term war on drugs oh wow and st- and made a heroin a cocaine and marijuana all schedule one narcotics right and this was the be- very beginning of america's war on drugs and the over criminalization of such and the and that would be escalated in the 80s big time yeah. but the worst of it starts like right here right around this time. so 1972 is one year into it which means this is the 51st year of our war on drugs the longest you, american war you thought afghanistan was long you know I got news for you. And this back then, there's no talk of rehabilitation of any kind. Fuck or, no. You know. I mean, there's there's Alcoholics Anonymous had been around, you know, but like, sure. you know, our understanding or, but especially our compassion toward that sort of thing. Right. Non-existent in the, in the big cultural mainstream. Sure. Forget about it. 
But um, we're going to do the track by track now. Uh, track number one, Vicious. This is a song uh, I love, mm-hmm. but uh, honestly, uh, for the last like four years or so, that, uh, longer than that, um, since like 2015 until like maybe last year, year before, I had a hard time listening to it. Really? And why is that? Well, I had an ill-fated attempt at stand-up comedy. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, for about... I, I saw you do some successful nights. Yeah, yeah. but I was, I was an open mic guy. And, okay. and, I, and one of the open mic uh, gigs that I used to do regularly for about four or five months, like in Philadelphia, like mm-hmm. I knew I knew the girl that uh, ran the thing, Alyssa, and she uh, said like, hey, what music do you want to play to play you up or play you out, whichever right. it was. And I looked her, I shuffled through her, her iPod, her, her old iPod classic mm-hmm. and looking for something I liked. And I saw, oh, there's Lou Reed, Vicious. Perfect. Because it's like. It's a nice loud song. It's like, you know, it's right. And then it's just like vicious. You hit me with a flower. It's just like, it's like, yeah, it's like, a, it's, it just felt like a good bringer on. Let's get the energy right. going. Because what do you have like 10 seconds? It's like your base, yeah. baseball walk up. Yeah, to bat it's, music. exactly. Yeah. That's what it was. It was, that was my walk up to the stage or like shuffle off stage in disgrace. And <laughs> more often than not. <laughs> so it played in the beginning and the end. Yeah. And, it's a, and okay. I had, I was so bad. I was like doing doing stand up, especially when like I like I may have had like an okay night like performing elsewhere, but sure. there was where I was just trying to work things out. Right, that was one of the places I I went to regularly. Like was it that was the fire, the fire. Okay, yeah. yeah, I played there before. Like on it was a Monday night thing. But anyway, that's my. I just want to get that digression out oh, there, yeah, yeah. straight up front, just to just to make it make it about me for five seconds. Yeah, side like. <laughs> stories should be encouraged here. I think. Yeah. I, I hope so. Okay. Okay. So vicious. I mean, it rocks. It's a perfect opener. It's perfect. Uh, apparently, yeah. Andy Warhol came up with, or suggested, you should do a song. I'm not going to do an impression of Andy. I could try. You should do a song. No. You should do a song. You should really do a hey song. Man. Uh, hey, man. No, it's not how it, that sucked at all. <laughs> hey, man, you should do a song of Vicious. Vicious, you hit yeah. me like a flower. Uh, yeah, and came up with the first line, you know, with the line, yeah. uh, you hit me with a flower, which is like, it's not going to inflict much damage, you know. I always took it to mean like hitting like, somebody with a petunia. Again, it's like like the Velvet Underground days where they were kind of anti hippie. Right. I mean, like it, okay. I, I didn't learn until recently that Andy gave him that line, but like the hippies were all like you know like like just being anti war, putting flower flower power. flower power, all that stuff. Everything that Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground were not, and it was just it just all felt like, and also like the sentiment that like they're. Dis, how they disagreed with like the way they were doing it and who they really were. It's almost like they were calling them the phonies. Like, right. like the the New York people are calling like the West Coast like hippie movement like completely phony and bankrupt. And this might the the song to me I I always took to mean in in at least in part that like he's sort of criticizing them for. No, that. well I hadn't thought of that, but that, that, that's that, a great that, observation. That's yeah. just something that that I've always taken away from the song, whether. It, this, there's going to be like what the song this is a thing where we'll be back and forth probably going sure. forward but like there's what I've always taken away right or wrong and then the true meaning when when applicable but this this album I know the stuff's out there right so we'll we'll make sure we'll we highlight what it's actually about and then something to that like when the velvet under the early velvet underground days it's like them and uh mothers of invention you had on the west coast and then these dudes uh these people on the east coast mm-hmm. and just like Look, just not just fashion, but I mean, uh, 
I think a lot of the shows they were sitting down when they were playing, whereas the uh, Mothers of Invention and they were label mates. They were both on Verve Records. Yeah. Uh, you have like thirty people on stage. You know, think of like Parliament or something like that with That's Mothers a lot. of yeah. Invention. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there was a guy in a diaper or not. But it's like, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. Uh, but back to back to Vicious. I mean, the the crunchy guitars are perfect, and then Mick Ronson's leads are like super noisy, and then he has two solos that are almost exactly the same. Uh, same thing and it's like it's proto-punk as it gets really it's it's amazing it's it's 1972 right and it's like the major punk wave is like four or five years away i know lou reed has went on record later like he created punk like or it was like one of the godfathers of it it's like a lot of things he made like some pretty tall orders but i mean hell i mean like this album is like kind of gives him a little bit of credibility along with the, sure. the four velvet underground ones yeah that that's that's basically it's like this is like the fifth Velvet Underground record in a way, just with studio musicians. Yeah, some of, yeah like we're going to discuss later, some of these, a couple of these were Velvet Underground songs or were yeah. performed live. This one has the uh, the Bowie backups, which are great. Uh, there's Cowbell, which is awesome. I was going to say, yeah, the, <laughs> I love the Cowbell. That's that, that like just on my upteenth uh, re-listen just today alone. Like yeah. that, I was like, I, I love it's that Cowbell. perfect, yeah. And that, the it's McLaren's spastic guitar solos are just... So great for an opener like this. Yeah, insert the uh, like a uh, Christopher Walken needs more cowbell. Yeah, well, they were right, listening. Exactly. Yeah, he was he was there. <laughs> uh, and then uh, lyrically, why don't you hit me with a stick? Uh, but all I got's a guitar pick that could be like a nod to like S and M and that kind of thing uh, that was around him in New York. And step on your hands and mangle your feet. There's some violence going on. Yeah, it's, and then why don't you swallow razor blades? This is really a fuck you song. It yeah, it totally is. Which it, it has that attitude of. Yeah, it's it. That's that's the other thing that's like it's it's a general thing, but then there there is like a a personal bent to it. Like I don't know who exactly he's like he's got like beef with, or if it's just like anyone that's just just kind of in his face, like just at show at a show, just right. in his life, whatever. It's like it, it was, or like a lot of things. He's a he's sort of reporting on like scenes at the time, right? And a lot of this album is just like. There's a lot of characters on on this record, mm-hmm, and absolutely. and and so this is just this is whoever this is. I mean, this this person's bad. Yeah, news. and you could be plural. It could be a yeah, group of people. Totally. Um, then the line, uh, "You must think I'm some kind of gay blade." I took this as just don't categorize me. I'm not saying yes or no. You know. I I yeah oh yeah. That, you always wanted to avoid being you know. I had I actually had to uh that that was that was I, I've always misheard that is you must think I'm some kind of gay parade. Oh okay. <laughs> I, I, I always I always misheard it that way. Oh, I misheard everything. I, I I'm, to I'm gonna I'm point. gonna try to uh, make that clear like as often as possible when that for years of mishearing like lyrics especially yeah. with Lou Reed songs because it's part of it is his like accent right and part of it is just it's just like the the music of the song and then the other then. Finally, it's me being too lazy to really pay attention to the lyrics. Right. So, like this, this whole this whole endeavor is uh is forcing me to like really pay attention to what's going yeah, on and research. Yeah. yeah that's it, great. But like I I like I like that. It, and this this album does not stray from any sort of sexuality. So right. like, it's it's very it, this is Lou Reed that is most bisexual. Uh, and then when I watch you come, baby, I just want to run far away. <laughs> Which has a double meaning. It could be just like a walking down the street sense, or it could be, you know, something sexual come. Yeah. Yeah, and then the guitars overall in the song. It's less with the Velvet Underground, the avant-garde, and more 
yeah, like that proto-punk, noisy, and this is all like an organized crunch to to all the rhythm parts. And this is all Mick Ronson, like really shredding there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those spastic solos are definitely him. Like it sounds like they could be on parts of Ziggy Stardust. There's other parts of this album that sound like they could be outtakes from the Ziggy Stardust album, which was the same year. Yeah, it was the same year. Like Ziggy, the Ziggy Stardust record came out in June. Bowie and Reed uh, played some shows live together, Mm -hmm. and then like in August they started working on this one together. Right. Just to think of them like playing, like sharing the same stage that right. year, that summer. I mean, like that would have been perfect. Any and all those songs from those two, from Transformer and from Ziggy Stardust. I mean, that's that's like if, if there's an MVP of like you know, yeah, like, these are landmark albums. Uh, yeah, just in general, in general music, not just for me and what I like. You know, it's yeah for rock music and then just music in general. Yeah, yeah if if there's a heaven, that's 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 the show I want to see. <laughs> yeah. That that's actually there's or hell. I mean, like it. There's a really absurd Stephen King uh, story, other little tangent here, where like a, a, bu- a bunch of uh, some people drive down the wrong road and then end up in a town that's full of dead musicians. Wow, and I've never heard of this. But... It's called, you know, they got a hell of a band. It's a little short story. That's and like, cool. and it, it's like everybody gets on stage at the end. Like the people that drove in town realize they, they're never going to be allowed to leave. Buddy Holly is a cop. What? And like Jimi Hendrix just is hanging out there, and then Elvis, and then Kurt Cobain, and then like it just goes on and oh, on. It's a later one, okay. yeah. I think. Well, you know what? It, it's. I think that story may have came out like before Cobain died, but then I know they turned it into like a TV movie, and then Kirk they inserted Kirk, Kirk Cobain. Into oh, it. all right. I'm, I might be conflating the two. Sure. But it was like a million like cool like rock stars just all hanging out. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. And yeah. Also, something I would probably make fun of. Yeah, it's like so, I, 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 a I goofy. Yeah, it's very goofy, but I, I always like that story. I always like that idea. <laughs> uh, so, track number two is Andy's Chest, uh, of course, referencing Andy Warhol. We may have talked about this a little bit, but it was, you know, Andy Warhol was his former mentor and, and manager of the Velvet Underground, and basically influenced everything that we had done up to this point uh, and further. Yeah, uh, the and uh, after uh, the first. Uh, uh, Velvet Underground record came out, which Andy produced and funded. And Lou and Andy ha- had a falling out because Lou wanted to like take the band other places. The whole band did. They wanted. They want. They Andy was uh, a means to an end at the beginning. In the beginning of, of things, and they had a major falling out, and the two didn't speak. And then, in uh, 1968, I believe, Andy was a uh, shot yep. by a woman named Valerie Solanas, mm-hmm. and. She was a radical feminist that uh, was one of the many hangers-on at uh, the uh, the uh, factory. Right. He was shot at the factory. He was shot so, at yeah. the factory along with art critic Mario Amaya, A-M-A-Y-A. Mm-hmm. So I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She didn't do too much time. She ended up, but uh, she uh, she wrote a thing called uh, the Scum Manifesto. Right. Which uh, is still like credited for uh, that next wave of feminism that came out in the uh, that started in the 1970s. Gloria Steinem like heralded it at the time. But Andy yeah. was shot in the chest, hence the title Andy's Chest. Uh, right. And then Valerie Solanas, you know, she's a radical feminist, kind of what like a lot of these you know scaredy cat tough guy types of today think of a regular feminist is, is oh yeah she, she was, was hardcore and i've got the and i've got lesbian the, separatism and i got the acronym for scum okay. it's society for cutting up men yeah i mean like 
How can you not love Actually, that? Actually, might be something I would join. But... I mean, now I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, it, I, I would, got knives. <laughs> I would like to see the scum women go at against the uh, men's rights act of activists oh, yeah, of today. That's... I mean, that that's a match made in hell. I mean, Christ on a cross, that'd be amazing. But uh, Velvet Underground actually recorded this song in the summer of 1969 uh, on a record that MGM refused to put out. I didn't know and that. It was eventually released in '85 on VU. Oh, uh, one other thing uh, about Valerie. Her whole story is uh, fictionalized in, into, uh, into a 1996 movie by Mary Heron called I Shot Andy Warhol. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. And it's and uh, Andy Warhol is played by Jared Harris, who you might know from uh, Mad Men. Uh, like uh, There's a TV show called The Terror, where he was a, a ship's captain. Or in the year 2022, uh, Morbius, folks. Yes. Oh, okay. He's in the shitty movie Morbius. Okay. <laughs> doing, uh, doing absolutely nothing, just collecting a paycheck. Hmm. He's a talented actor and very a very good Andy Warhol. But uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the song proper, I think. Yeah, this has what I was uh, mentioning earlier about, like, you can hear him getting ready to sing his parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, it, I said it before, and I don't know if I could say it in a different way, but I said it before that it, it really personalizes it. It gives it like an intimacy uh, for the listener. I I think uh, that this is a song I I didn't re- until we were researching this. I didn't realize it was specifically about him being shot, Andy. Right. Andy World. I knew. I think I saw the title and I knew. All right, well they're friends, so I figure it's an ode to him clearly. But right. looking at the lyrics, that this is one of the songs that's way more uh, poetic than like sometimes you would get get in later ones because he's. One thing about Lou is that he would always like he, he could be very plain spoken, like in his sure. writing, yeah, like very direct, very graphic. And this this album is uh is pretty, just straight up. It's mm-hmm. like the the lyrics are very pretty. They're they're very like very sparse in in spots in spots. And uh, this song is just it, it's got a lot of a lot of crazy imagery to it. We we're talking about like when rattle skates. Rattlesnakes lose their skins and hearts, mm-hmm. and all the missionaries lose their bark. Like that—that's like yeah. that can mean a million different things. Very poetic in this yeah. song. Um, and then going with uh, Andy getting shot, all the cheap blood—all the cheap blood suckers are flying after you. In the beginning, he says, "You know, I turn myself into a bat and come swooping after you." Yeah. And I was thinking, like, why a bat? Why not a bird? The bats are nocturnal, mm-hmm. as. He probably was. That's time. also the the other uh, nickname that uh, the thing is that Lou had a nickname for Andy Warhol, and that was Drella. Right, and that that's because he called him thought he was both Dracula and Cinderella. Oh, okay. Because, because Dracula, in the sense that he did, he was kind of a nocturnal vampire, vampire of yeah. of like the whole nightlife, but also he loved to host parties. He loved to be around people, so he's like Cinderella, Cinderella at the sure. ball. So it's it's a little bit of both. He's the good, the light and the dark. Yeah. Cheap bloodsuckers. Uh, <laughs> what, bats are, yeah, they're nocturnal. They're also blind. So I was thinking maybe blind on drugs. Mm. I don't know. I'm just. No, no, please. Like, I was just speculate, for spe- speculate away. That's, that's what I've been doing. Because yeah. <laughs> this this is one that's like, it always like, it always like confounded me what, what exactly was saying. But it, right. it really till I learned that it, it's a little clearer now that I know that it is definitely about like him, like Andy Worrell almost dying. And right. so this, and then this is just Lou, just like paying like full tribute, finally mending fences. I think ultimately right. between the two of them. Yeah, and this then is... we have uh, Daisy May and Biff. Uh, Biff Tannen. More names. 
you know, Biff Tannen, you know, Back to the Future. Oh, okay. What are you looking at, Bud? <laughs> what are you looking at, Bud? Get your <laughs> okay. damn hands off of her. Yeah, make, make it look a tree. Get out of who, here. Yeah, who was that actor? <laughs> uh, Crispin Glover? Or, yeah. or, or, or like, or the, the guy who played Biff Tannen. Well, I was saying Crispin Glover because he played Andy Warhol in the Doors movie by Oliver Stone. That's right. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of full circlers going on Holy here. Holy shit. <laughs> I have, not, I have not seen the doors in the, in a very long time. No, neither have I. That's um, very good. But doing the research that was brought up, and I was like, ah, oh, Crispin Glover, yeah. Uh, and then towards the end, we have, or at the end, we have Swoop, Swoop, Rock, Rock, which I guess is a reference to the bat from earlier swooping. I never even picked that up before. I I always just thought, all right, well, let's let's just say something cool at the end of this song. Oh, it's unbelievable. And, and, cool, and really, yeah. with the tone of the song, the song like very quietly builds up, and right. then and like by the time he's like Swoop, Swoop. Baby, rock, rock. It, it's you're just grooving along to that tune. Yeah, well, this is coming after the the noisy first song, uh, up tempo, and yeah, it does have a slow build. Uh, I, I one other thing that like maybe definitely and like definitely might be like a knock on Valerie Solanas mm-hmm. is is when he uh, the whole line. Just like in a movie, her hands became her feet. Her belly button was her mouth, which meant she tasted what she'd speak. But the th- funny thing is what happened to her nose. It grew until it reached all of her toes. Now when people say her feet, they mean her nose. Which is very, like, almost nursery rhyme. Yeah, like but Pinocchio also, or something. But also, like. it's like, if Valerie was, like, had a lot to say and, like, was very unstable, at least in that, that time period. Yeah. It's like, and she did what she did. Then this is this whole thing is like maybe he's like kind of like invalidating everything she has to say right. at that point too. It's like a very kind of a very nice way of doing it. Sure. Just in this song, I, it's it, weirdly, weirdly, it, just like not giving any like major credence to what she has to say, even though people took her what she had to say seriously after the fact. Mm-hmm. To him, understandably, you shot my friend. Fuck you. So that's, that's basically what's coming so out. Two of fuck you songs in a row. Yeah. Could this be a fuck you album? I think a little bit. <laughs> I think a, a little lot bit there. <laughs> There's a couple of albums that are like that, but this is like that. This is like kind of like fuck you lowercase parentheses, and then also like sort of like whited out. Yeah. You know, it's so buried in there. Sure. Completely different for what would come later. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think this is another thing uh, going forward. It's like. Would I play this record for just about anybody? Or, or would this play well for other people? And yeah, I mean, this is a gateway album. This is one yeah. that like you could just leave on and people would like groove to it just fine. Right. Track number three, Perfect Day. This is one I've embarrassed myself at karaoke. Oh, a few really? Times. I'll, I'll let you know when it comes up, like which, which songs I've done karaoke. I've done Walk on the Wild Side for karaoke. <laughs> Forgetting... <laughs> We'll get to we'll that. We'll get to that one. Yeah. But that's... no, like I I've I've uh, sad sang uh, this song at karaoke uh, dozens of times. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Love um, it. Yeah, it's a great ballad. Seriously. I mean, it, it reminds you a little bit of Sunday Morning by Velvet Underground where it sounds poppy but it's sad at times. Too. Yeah. It's Sunday Sunday Morning's almost happier because that's uh coming off of a long night and you're just you're going to bed. Mm-hmm. While everybody else may be going off to church or getting started with their day, and right. yeah, maybe you're a little melancholy, but at the end, but at least you're like, all right, I'm tired. It's like it, the night was what it was, and you could take from it what you were. Perfect day is more like it sounds like, hey, things have been great, but like again, this that it's the lyrics uh, were like are very sparse, and you don't really 
get a sense of anything being too you know wrong at first right until you get to one or two one or two key context clues well, it that starts really... off so innocent yeah it's like this innocent date you know with mm-hmm. sangria and going to the zoo and walking in the park yeah it just sounds like uh like the white picket fence kind of life that he kind of he mentions a few times on this album like maybe he was kind of yearning for normalcy after writing all these songs about you know this dirty underground of the city yeah i mean he comes from a bit of a middle class uh, background yeah long island and and then like you know he rebels for a number of reasons like a because he was bisexual and his parents didn't didn't care for that too much b he just he wanted to like after like college he just and in college he wanted to figure out like where his place was and c because he wanted to he wanted to play rock and roll yeah so like and he would i mean that meant like experiencing a lot of different things and going to a lot of different a lot of different weird places right and trying a lot of illicit substances <laughs> yeah a lot of them maybe all of them at least in this one it's popularly uh agreed on that it's heroin so this this song is like another another sort of nod if i can use that word correctly yeah it's a far cry from velvet underground subject matter like uh at least in that beginning right it's not like sister ray or anything no as far as the actual music i mean uh mick ronson did all the string arrangements which are beautiful but this one has that like uh soft to loud chorus to soft verses i mean i mean you've heard that version of uh lou reed and luciano Pavarotti doing this yes it's (laughs) completely absurd but that's actually great in its own right that's actually a a good point i mean many of these uh, songs on this record are like are like you know top 10 like covers mm-hmm. and uh th- this one this one had a great cover actually like do you remember uh two years ago when the pandemic first started and then there was that ill-fated uh all celebrity like cover of imagine by john lennon you know th- that that fucking song right yeah the song that will never go away and it <laughs> and and uh it like cut from uh that song uh was uh, an a cappella like cut from celebrity to celebrity to celebrity, right. and it was tone deaf and stupid. This one, there is a a BBC promo circa two thousand that starts off with Lou Reed pushing sixty, uh, speak singing. His voice is totally different at that point. But then it, it cuts to Bono from the U two, oh, Elton John, David Bowie, okay. Suzanne Vega, Sky Edwards, Tammy Wynette. Emmylou Harris, Heather Small, Dr. John, Shane McGowan, Shiona White, Burning Spear, and one or two other like names I didn't quite catch. Okay. But it was really, it was really a really, really pretty version. It's sitting on YouTube, and that that's that's one of the better covers I've heard. Okay, uh, and and all for a weird promotional video, but it's it's a, it's a it's a good video. It's a good song, and it was covered by Duran Duran in 1995 on one of their. That that weird uh, covers record. Oh, I think didn't they cover? They covered a lot of weird songs. They covered yeah. the, the public the, enemy or something. They like covered that? Yeah. public enemies. Nine one one was a joke. Very <laughs> ill advised for those guys to cover that song. The the break the single that I heard all the time was uh, White Lines. Oh, all right. Like that 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 was that single that song that, that video was all over MTV back in the mid nineties. I, I remember that. I remember somebody recommended it to me because like you like absurd stuff yeah Check this out i listened to it once i was like yeah i don't, I don't know about any of this <laughs> i you know? i don't think they ever had but i mean they were already kind of like has-beens by the mid-90s duran duran but that like put the nail in the coffin they never had like another like major like you know 
record label push after that covers record. Oh, the other thing uh, to mention about Perfect Day is mm-hmm. it got a second life in 1995 when it was used in the movie Train Spotting. You, it's a scene where Ewan McGregor overdoses, and there's a long montage of him, like his point of view, the camera's point of view, like showing him like falling on the ground, then being picked up, thrown into the back of an ambulance and into a hospital, and then being revived. Like sort of, like you know, given the epidephrine like shot right. shot to the heart. There's a lot of Lou Reed references in that. Yeah, there, right? there, I haven't seen it in so long. That was that that song like gave gave Lou Reed like you know a big a little bit of a boost after like you know languishing for many a decade right into like kind of adult contemporary almost obscurity. You have a favorite line? No, oh, of course. Uh, I wish I was someone else, someone good. That's a good one. It's so great. That's that's what makes the song. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of the darker darker songs he's ever written. That's really happy, you know. Which is it's weird to say because that's usually a Beatles thing, mm. <laughs> and he would hate you would probably hate that comparison. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but, it, but like but like uh, I I really love that song. It's a great song. So track number four, hanging round. I this was my favorite one on here for a while. Is that right? Before we got deep into this dive, I put it on mixtapes for people before. It's just it's a rocker, just like vicious, you know. Yeah, it's it's so up tempo. It's like you you can like you can move around to it. Like not that I do a lot of dancing, but if I can do I could do my uh, weird approximation alone, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I like the song a lot. <laughs> and you need a straight up rocker right after the ballad "Perfect Day." It's just like the order of tracks on this album is near perfect. Yes, definitely. It's kind of like a get lost kind of song, you know. Uh, all the all the characters, I don't know. It's it's the thing where they could be real people. That like he throws names around like right. like like Harry crazy. Again. Yeah. Harry, Harry is one that Jeannie, comes up all the Kathy, time. Yeah, yeah, but I I think uh my least it yeah, actually let me ask you this uh, pause this question, which of these characters seems the most annoying to you that you'd want to stay the fuck away from the most? All of them, and I don't blame them for wanting to stay away from them. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, you got Harry the rich asshole, Genie the spoiled brat. Uh, it was going to become a priest, right? And then, yeah. And then, was it Jeannie? He was a spoiled young brat. And that's no good. And then Kathy was like, don't smoke around me. <laughs> like, you know, I hate that. <laughs> but yeah, we have the spoiled young brat, the trying to be a priest guy, and then and and don't smoke around me, lady. I don't, it's just like he's too cool for nowadays for all this kind of behavior, it seems. Yeah, like. I, I think that this Things is... he used to do years ago. I mean, that could be drugs. It could be... Uh, well, we know quote, it's not quote, drugs. Abnormal. Sex, I, maybe but. it's maybe it's like kind of like you're still smoking pot. I've graduated to coke and marijuana, yeah. not coke and heroin. I mean, right, right. get out of my face. Sort and then of thing. I've heard people call this song like filler for this album, maybe because it's not as deep as the other songs. Yeah, but that's not it's a just bad a rock thing. And roller. But it's like, like no, and, and it's a straight up rocker, it's, and it needs to be here in this. And I I wouldn't even I wouldn't dismiss it as as filler. I mean, like you could like make a better argument for like. New York conversation, if anything else, yeah. but like even that's like that has a point. Yeah, like of course, the, the, it's like an interlude. This is like this is just like yeah, you want a rocker, but also like people are like this, and he is coming off of like some time like where like he had some real time of in- introspection and not doing anything for the better part of two years, right? And now he's fully confident, and he is kind of a different person. Yeah, he, this, he's, this, uh, the album before this one, the self-titled Lou Reed, it was it was somewhat of a failure. Yeah, know? and he was, and you can tell there's there's more confidence in his in his Absolutely. voice at like than like even in that one. There, he was like still getting it together with that first album, and that with this one, he's like, yeah, all right, 
well, let's just go. You're like, so I, if we had a couple fuck you songs, this is more like a just, uh, just get out of like, my face. I'm bored by you, or I'm irritated yeah. by you, and it's just you know, I don't have time for this nowadays. It's, it's what I got out of it. Anyway. No, that, that's a good one. And also, and those Ronson guitar riffs, the wow, 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 just like oh man, it's awesome. Like he, if he didn't play lead guitar on this, which he doesn't do on every song, and it's not, mm-hmm. it's not even all that much. It's just it makes it perfect for me. There's a lyric I never caught before, like uh, just going over over it, like a the in the verse hark the herald angels sing i was just it, thinking about it that, reached yeah. out for a phone and what he did with a powerful hand god won't teach this teach this one but it was all too much in sprinkling angel dust tell at&t we did wish you well yeah that that's that's really cool yeah very cool <laughs> even this like it's sarcasm hark the herald angels sing. yeah you're it's just so <laughs> yeah so you're cool <laughs> Are Christmas carols now? I think this was a rock and roll song. But it, it yeah, that you know what? Now you say it, I'm adding the song to my Christmas playlist. Oh yeah, just for that line. Just for that line. If That's there's great. ever a mention of Christmas, it makes my Christmas playlist. And whoever's around, why is this song here? Hold on. That there it is. And you point with your finger in the air yep. right when he says "Hark the Herald." I have an a, I have a completely weird Christmas playlist that some of them are like you know like screw Christmas, it's not fun, and then others right. where it's just like. There's literally one line that mentions Christmas or Christmas lights, and then right, that, that counts. And like that's all I need because I don't want to hear like just Silent Night or whatever. Right. Well, there's yeah. a lot of offbeat uh, punk rock Christmas songs. There's, well, there's I think of uh, King Diamond's New Presents for Christmas. Yeah. I think of the Ramones Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. There's Fears. Fuck Christmas. Okay. Maybe that's that's the best. Uh, <laughs> that's 45 seconds. Of... Even the Kinks song, uh, the Father Christmas song, you know, to a certain degree, mm-hmm. was always like the only cool one they play uh, around Christmas time on the yeah. radio. It seemed like that and the waitress's Christmas rapping was a cool one. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I've I've always liked the 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 I've always caught and uh, clocked the hark the herald angels sing, yeah. which I I was it's always made me smile, but it never yeah. never occurred to me. Wait, that's that's kind of a Christmas thing, and I should throw that in there. And now it's going in there tonight. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm good on hanging around. Me too. All right, the big one. Track number five, "Walk on the Wild Side," the the last song on the first side. Right. Uh, well, they got a lot of name dropping here. It's a little like mini biographies in the verses. Uh, one uh, thing, the uh, old man Lou Reed like quote I got right here oh, okay. from the essential yeah. Lou Reed uh, 2003 like best of compilation that I bought like when I was just getting into Lou Reed. Quote: Wild Side was just one of twelve other tracks on Transformer. I didn't think any more of it than the other ones. I mean, the track that I really liked was Hanging Round. There you go, Paul. There you go, Paul. All right. Kindred Spirits. Which is why no one listens to me. (laughs) (laughs) And there's another song, Good Night Ladies, that I really liked. And New York Telephone Conversation, which I do with David Bowie. And it's one minute minute long. There's a lot on that album. Another example, 25 years later, Perfect Day became much bigger than Wild Side ever was. Go figure. Yeah. He always talks about, especially later in life, and just like, such like a uh, look back and laugh kind of term. Yeah, as it, going through that essential uh, Lou Reed, uh, like a compilation from two thousand three. Mm-hmm. It's it is just a lot of stuff he just taught. He clearly tossed off on an afternoon, just right. like all right, that, does this fulfill my record contract? Great, that's cool. That's just a precursor. This song is the song of his career. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a song that like you know it. 
if people know one thing by Lou Reed, it's this tune. When my mom, my mom was telling me like circa 72, 73, when she was, uh, she was still a kid. That's all anybody was playing. It was on the radio constantly. It reached number 16 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and then number 10 on U.K. singles. So pretty big. Yeah. It started, it was the title of a Nelson Algren novel in 1956. A bunch of people thought it could be, it would make a good play. So Lou was writing some of the uh, music that would eventually be in this play. And that's where this song, uh, some of it comes from. I uh, remember, like, a, he tells the story pretty well in, in a very funny uh, bit. It's the live album, Take No Prisoners. He starts playing this song. This, If you look at the track, it says, Walk on the Wild Side, 17 minutes, 38 seconds, or something <laughs> absurdly long. Way, way longer than the song actually goes. So what he's doing at live, uh, he goes on to, like, explaining how the song got written and then also, like, ha- how to take, like, a number of his uh, critics to task. But the story he tells is that, like, they approached him to uh, to adapt this, this novel because they wanted to turn it into a new Broadway musical. And then they, they gave him, like, a bunch of notes uh, in the book, like, make an X where you think the song should appear. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was flabbergasted and didn't know what to do. And then, and then ultimately they fired him. It's like, say, like, like we're going to take this in a different direction. Uh, so thanks, but no thanks. And then he started work on his, his first album, which, you know, was what it was, but then had this great, had this great title for a song. He says, like, I'll call it Walk on the Wild Side. Smart. Right. <laughs> That's how he put it. Right. So each verse has pretty much like a mini biography of these real life people. Holly Woodlawn was a, a trans actress who uh, starred in Trash and Women in Revolt. Uh, it's actually, you know, what he says is a true story. She hitchhiked from Miami to NYC at the age of 15. Miami FLA, which, right. fun fact, fun for me because I'm in the Postal Service. Mm-hmm. They called it FLA back then because that was the old school way of, of abbreviation. It right. was like three letters. Every And actually, it was chaos. In 1973, they finally came up with the proper uh, codes that we all know today. So right. Florida today is just FL. The two letters for so each state. So Lou got the song out just in time because <laughs> now it like, it for F, Jaime went to Miami, FL is... And then, no, yeah. no, 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 not the same ring to it. Man, and that was like down to the wire. In a way. <laughs> really so, down to the wire, because 1973, they changed it from FLA to FL. Uh, for more on this, uh, li- listen to uh, Gary Goldman's hilarious stand-up routine. Yeah, it is very good. And, and very well written. and It's hysterical. It's like, Utah was Utah. And it's just, there's a lot Massachusetts of was mass. mass. Yeah. Okay, and then Candy Darling uh, was another trans actress from Massapequa, Long Island who was in Flesh and Women in Revolt. Candy says the Velvet Underground song was about her. Uh, she was a regular at Max's Kansas City, and she died of lymphoma at age 29. Uh, the other uh, mate... Oh, there was also the guy... Uh, yeah, Little Joe. Uh, Little Joe. I'll, I'll let, you, okay. let you hit that one. And then Little Joe uh, was Joe D'Alessandro, who was an actor. Uh, he starred in a bunch of Warhol films, and then he got some, some mainstream roles later on. Uh, he's also known as The Crotch on the cover of Rolling Stone's Sticky Fingers album. And uh, also uh, on the cover of the first Smiths album. Dude got around. Yeah. Really cool. It's good work if you can get it, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe not as good of a work as, uh, like, uh, identifying uh, cigarette smells. Like, menthol, <laughs> methylated <laughs> cigarettes. But like, methylated you know. cigarettes. <laughs> I, mean, like, I think but... Lou's the only person I've ever heard say <laughs> methylated cigarettes. <laughs> it's like they're menthol, not methylated. 
It's not Vicks Vapor Rub. Well, you know what? Maybe they said it like that back then. We're, we're coming at this thing 50 years later. Yeah, right. Little turns of phrase and stuff. These are all archived now. Yeah. So, like, we're, we're picking up stuff that, like, I mean, like, waves of, waves of talking that, like, just... Can you imagine, the, like, if they were looking at the way people speak now, which is, in a lot of ways, just baby speak? Yeah. You know? Like, just, like... Half like, words like, and half... Half, fr- half fragmented sentences, like, yeah, yeah. just saying, I can't even. You can't even what? I can't even what? I mean, like, like, they'd be like, they... Like, no, you're not even, like you're not even but... speaking English to them. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> if it we're barely speaking English to each other now. So, like, yeah, I, you gotta give this whole thing a little bit of leg room. Like, pack of Marlboros. I know the mentholated ones. The mentholated. Like, it just seems weird to me. I don't know. I it is weird, but it's the, that's it's the flourishes that make it work. That's why I like it. Uh, moving on, Sugar Plum Fairy. Uh, it could have been Joe Campbell who played a character named that in the movie My Hustler, but Lewis said, and it's most likely just about any drug dealer. Uh, he said there was a drug dealer from San Francisco that went by that name. He mentions it in the. Uh... That VH1 uh, documentary Classic specifically, albums, yeah. where, that which is which is really really good, and you should you should check it out. It's streaming on Tubi as of this record, right? And uh, yeah, he says like, well, nowadays they got names like you know, like it'd be like a rap name, the equivalent of a rapper's name back then. He he name checks Snoop Doggy Dog right. specifically, but he's got a point. I mean, but just the name Sugar Plum Fairy that is so early nineteen seventies kind of thing because it's got that that old that hippie flower power sort of thing but it's edgy at the same time right. because of who it is it's that the duality that yin and yang yeah so it's that's what's all going on like going back to vicious you're hitting me with a flower, flower right. it, it it's this sugar plum flurry whoever this cat was i mean like he probably was dangerous or he could have been a sweetheart i don't know but it's it's a whole thing and then we had Jackie, who was uh, speeding away. It was Jackie Curtis, who was a speed addict uh, and drag queen. Punk and trans legend Jane County said that she, she did have an identity crisis where she thought she was James Dean, uh, that his spirit had come back and, like, possessed her body. They didn't die in a car wreck, did they? Uh, Jackie. Oh, uh, I don't know. I didn't hear that or I didn't read that. I, I say they because I, I honestly I don't know in, in right. some of these cases what the true gender they pre- they would have preferred at the time uh, like and now especially in today's context right that this song is it's kind of a it's filled with landmines really when you when you look at it in today's context for what they would have said or done I mean the chorus alone is because yeah. well, like the nomenclature changes over fifty years yes of totally but so we'll so like. Good. The song got away with like so much back then, not just with the stuff that we would people might take some offense to or at least raise some eyebrows. Right. But it got away with uh, with two things. And the bigger crime is rhyming the same word twice. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like that as a crime. I like that. But I mean there's when Jim Morrison does it and you kinda of roll your eyes fire with fire, but when Ozzy does it and it's like uh, generals gathered in their masses just like witches at black masses i know they mean two different things but you know what i i don't even think i put put that together until you just said that out loud right now and i've heard that that's that stupid song a million times but you're totally right you know what what the thing is the the line is she never lost her head even when she was giving head and that that got past censors back in 1972 yeah, the BBC didn't know what that meant so it just aired on, on it, england i don't think the american censors didn't know it either right. they just it got away with it it was really that song got called out along with a lot of other songs like in the early aughts 
when uh, the Clear Channel like radio company like started censoring music like crazy. Right. They went on a rampage, and that that song got hit. That's not even the, the really the 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 line that anybody and everybody would take offense to today was just the in the chorus there and the colored girls say right yeah you know which you know you can get around that now and I've told just before if you're gonna if you're a white man singing that song you could say and the girls of color go right or you could just not do the song it's but like you know that, well there was an edited version where they said and all the girls say. But most radio stations didn't play the edited version. They played this one, which says "Colored Girls," and then the 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 women that sang the that part of the song, you know, the doot to doot to doot, was a group called the Thunder Thighs, and they were not black. Really, no. I never knew. They I were always... a white British group, a trio. Because he works with a lot of black soul singers, like uh-huh. on tour and then on albums. I didn't realize that these these. The, but yeah, he he did this in. But in 1972, English. I mean, "colored" was an outdated term, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think. Well, it's. You're a few years away from uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, so a mm-hmm. lot of things are changing all at once right. as as, a, as things go on. And like, but what I was thinking was that term was used during the doo-wop era, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of references to that era in his music. And maybe that's probably that's, that's probably the cl- that that it. that's probably the best explanation for why it, that the song is what it is. I mean, and there's like coded term. language throughout this record, especially the song, but. It's my opinion that he wasn't doing it to be insensitive or hurtful. No, I don't think so either. Or me. even cracking a joke uh, or anything like that. That the uh, uh, Another fun fact about Jackie Curtis. According to legend, well, Jackie wrote musicals and apparently gave Robert De Niro his first onstage role. Get out of here. That's, that's what I read. That's cool. If I was a real scholar about this, I'd have references and footnotes, but... Uh, you're just going to have to look it up yourself, I guess. I believe Mean Streets is the following year, right? 1973. It might be. Yeah, but like, so, like, I don't think he's in Boxcar Bertha, but like, he's, he's like, still breaking out at this point. Right. De Niro is. Boxcar, Boxcar Bertha, excuse me, was uh, Martin Scorsese's first film. Oh, first, okay. first I feature. Just that's why, that's why. Was... Yeah, well, Mean, Street, mean Streets was, like, the really, like, breakout movie for, right. for the man. Anyway, that's not your here or there. I think uh, the other thing I want to like hit on this song in particular. It's this is a song that like uh, New York kind of embraced like after the fact, long after the fact, because to the point where yeah, sure, like we've got like an edge, and like sure we're scummy, but like hey, we're cool, right? Right, right. Because it to the point where it's used to like it. This song just shows up everywhere. It's like this is this is like a cool like promo like like New York. It's like right. yeah, we're we're cool. We we've. Sure, it's dirty, of, but like uh, uh, tourism. Yeah, yeah, like the iHeart New York people, like you know, love this, love this shit. It's but back when it came out, I'm sure you'd be going by, you know, you'd be here playing out of somebody's house, and a car going by, you'd hear, you know, yeah. playing on the radio, that type of thing, like they say about early hip hop. Uh huh. Which is right around the corner. Yeah. As far as the actual the music of the song, I mean, that iconic bass line. It's one of the most iconic bass lines ever. Uh, it was Herbie Flowers, who's a session musician. Uh, who also plays tuba on this record. But it's actually two basses. This stems from him being a session musician, because if you play two instruments in a song, you get two paychecks. Nice. But I'm glad he did, because he plays an upright, you know, one of the large, the, the basses that look like a work of art, an upright bass, uh, for the low notes, and then he goes over it with a fretless Fender jazz bass uh, in the higher register at the same time. It's a great bass line. And then you have um, the brushes on drums, 
you have Ronnie Ross uh, on baritone sax, and he's the guy that in David Bowie's childhood taught him how to play saxophone. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Walk on the Wild Side's been covered by like a by some pretty impressive people. If you're a, a kid somewhere in the uh, 38 to 45 range, one of you 45-year-old uh, kids out there, you may know this uh, bass line from uh, the Tribe Called Quest song. Hell yeah. Uh, Can I Kick It? That's where this, this song comes from. And if you're another type of person, you may remember a young man named Mark Wahlberg when he was known as Marky Mark. And master. He, and the he master. Had, and he had a funky bunch. Oh, he did. That for as of an ensemble. And uh he covered it this song called Wild Side. It's not a cover per se, but it's using the using the music. There's elements of it. And it is there. like one of the cringiest songs uh, <laughs> of that era of nineteen ninety one because it's all about like it's a big like Oh man, this person's like doing all these sorts of crazy stuff, and oh man, they they just went too far. They died. They walked on the wild side. Yeah, I remember the video Donnie Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block is in it playing a drug dealer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like just like the the hardest white kids from Boston, which I'm sure there are some hard <laughs> there are hard white kids. Oh shit! Yeah, there are white kid there are hard white kids from Boston. But don't get me wrong, Boston Boston uh, don't come after me. Like you know, uh, I'm, you're gonna get switchbladed, man. <laughs> but like these, it's the phoniest phony that ever phonied. And yeah. really, it's my opinion that uh, Vanilla Ice took way too much heat at the exact same time because Marky Mark of the Funky Bunch is as terrible. It's bad. It's really bad. I mean, it's it's fun in its own real way, but it's offensive. It's it's straight up offensively bad. <laughs> it's such. It's the worst. Like. One of the worst co-opting of like black culture that I that I that I could uh, recall of the of this era, and it's like way worse than Vanilla Ice. But the difference is is that Mark Wahlberg managed to like reinvent himself just a few years later as right. a legitimate actor. Sure, I mean not anymore. He fucking sucks now. Well, but the kind like, of thing is bound to happen with with rock and roll, with yeah. jazz. You have Benny Goodman. I mean, uh, you know, reggae. Look at these guys that live around here playing reggae. Air quotes reggae. Yeah. But like Mark Wahlberg should send Vanilla Ice like you know like a hundred grand a year as and <laughs> as like a Christmas present, just like hey, thanks for thanks, existing, man. Thanks you're, for taking you're, the heat you're off. You're still yeah. taking the heat off me to this day. Yeah. I mean, like maybe if he did that, then uh, Vanilla Ice wouldn't take a uh, like gigs for Donald Trump. You know, like because that, that guy a thing? Did that he he did one in like a uh, very late. Uh, 2020 like it was like a new year's gig and i don't even think it's really a political thing it's literally like you just pay the man he'll show up anywhere yeah. he'll sh- he'll show up at your birthday party if, if uh, you pay for it he so showed up at the gathering of the juggalos a few different times well ice cube played i mean everybody everybody yeah i mean like, like that's not that's not even a, that's not even a major like n- knock on it i'm yeah, yeah. ice there i i honestly think marky mark is worse and just be cut just for using this song and just just i'd for have the, to revisit the song to give an honest critique but um from what i remember it was just i i forgot it existed and yeah. like i just going down the rabbit hole with this song with with the song walking the wild side and some of the covers and then i i just i remember this from when i was 11 i was like <laughs> oh man well on that record shelf behind you there is a 12 inch single of Good vibrations. Yeah, that's the one everybody right. remembers, Mark, and that's Mark, that's, and that's more that's more there. innocuous, Somewhere. and like and it's it, that song's really stupid. That that video is really stupid. He's mm-hmm. just like 
working out. He's he's the Calvin Clark. Feel it, goat. feel it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's dumb. It's it. it's dumb then, but it's like. I guess because that was the big single, people are just like, all right, well, that's that's a one-off. But no, he had a couple of different singles. Yeah. And they're all, like, just... They're just white appropriation. It's like... It, I think uh, what, at first it was just the Beastie Boys that could do it. Like, in America. Like, but be, they were great. They were great. Yeah. But, like, there were so many just, like, bad carbon copy, mm-hmm. like, watered down, like, no original voices just trying to, like, ape other styles. Right. Absolutely. This is a weird tangent to go off on. but. Yeah. But uh, and another fun note, uh, the Simpsons uh, covered this thing in, in a fake group they made called "Hooray for Everything" in a season okay. three episode where, and all the races go do 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 because they're like kind of doing like a kids bop thing, gotcha. and, and so they changed they changed the thing from from the, the lyrics to "and all the races go." Now, I remember talking with a cousin of mine about like how is this song so popular when it has all these you know references to things that like how did Middle America buy this record and i think it can be summed up because it was like a microcosm of what people were curious about in new york city a lot of these people had never been to new york city and yeah. it kind of gives a glimpse into that life it's a new york that doesn't exist anymore not absolutely not. but like not but, I mean, but even if uh like even if new york still had like kind of even a tenth of the edge i mean like it's still just an amazing time capsule of what things were then because you're talking about real especially with this song it's talking about like all these real people that like you've mentioned that Mm -hmm. like he knew like that were in the click of the of the andy warhol like circle right of of that that factory it's it's a whole thing they're real people and it and it comes off there and it's just and it's just so the song also just sort of encapsulates like lou reed like in his career it's it is kind of a good it's a good and a bad thing that it's like big songs the one everybody knows but like focusing on the positive for me this is a song where it's like it shows his craft for for storytelling for reporting his voice still sounds good so he's got like a very gentle approach to the whole thing he's not mincing words really he's using colorful language and he just knows how to like really draw you in into the whole world and just three minutes right it's, it's been it, said in a lot of the articles we read researching this and it, everybody keeps saying it's like he never says any of this behavior is good or bad it just yeah. is yeah you know? he's just he's he's a reporter Reporting, exactly. he's a reporter he does a great job at it this is one of the best versions best examples of that and they're spoken like none of these things are a big deal to him because because they aren't this is a probably a good idea to like a uh, mention something that I, i've been like a uh, put in my back pocket okay because uh with homosexuality because and trans uh, transgender people in America, up until 1962, homosexuality as a whole was just criminalized, mm-hmm. and the first state to decri- to just outright decriminalize it would have been Illinois. That was okay. in 1962. That's the Kennedy administration. They're the first. That was the first state to like just start to like go easy on things. Right. And then slowly, as the 60s roll on the culture starts to shift the the cops do these bullshit raids on what they would consider gay clubs or gay bars and just arrest people just just for like socializing this sort of thing went on way way too long and by 1969 what's uh, the famous uh, stonewall riot happens oh, yeah. and that that's that's an incident that you could read in a number of different things i'm just giving the overview here i'm not trying to be the, the complete history on the whole thing but basically, out of like a raid that comes out, people lose their cool that were there, 
and then just they don't take it anymore and they fight the cops that tried that tried to bust them that night and they give them a lot of shit and from that incident the 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 gay movement starts to be born and then organizing starts to happening the big one being one of the big ones being the gay liberation front and uh further de- decriminalization starts following into the 1970s but believe it or not new york city doesn't officially get on board with decriminalizing homosexuality until december of 1977 hmm. it took them that long yeah like almost like not eight you years later california being yeah. first you know on the coast yeah you'd think so but like they might not have like hit it as hard as they did but they it didn't like finally like get off the books other things i just want to mention because like gay people and trans people have they've always existed they've always been in history mm-hmm. how, no matter how far back you go but trans they're 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 a much bigger voice today they're they, they have a bigger microphone in front of them now but back then it was for Lou to even like sing a sing about someone like shaving her legs then he was a she that's completely outrageous yeah. you just would not hear that then and the dirty thing that I've learned unreal not completely unrelated to the song, but like of what was going on at the time is that like through the, some of the activism, like the good things would be the decriminalization, but the bad things is, would be were that the gay people that were making deals, the gay people in the organizations making deals with the politicians and the other people like classifying in the American Medical Association, they classified a, being gay as a mental disorder back then. And that stopped in 1973. It finally got declassified that. But come 1980, trans people started, which hadn't been labeled that at all, started getting hit with, tagged with the mental disorder. Right, like a mental illness. Yes, yeah. and it wasn't the case before. So they substituted one thing and then just put in another. Right. It's just, just weird, terrible history that we have in this country. Yeah. And it's also an example of just like organized groups just like selling out like another a, another more marginalized group just to just to benefit themselves, which that has nothing to do with the people that like do things. There are there the individuals that the people that like just want to like live their lives. It's the people that run these organized groups. It's they're they're bad actors, you know. Sometimes and yeah. it's it's just upsetting. Power it's, corrupts, right? Yeah, it it can, and even just a mar marginal amount of power, but that's that's just one thing that just ended up happening that I learned recently that was stunning. So the first song on side two, track number six, make up, tuba. Yeah, the tuba's back. Whoop, 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 it's whoop, tuba whoop, time. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so great those tuba hits. I love. Uh, I mean, I love this song, but yeah. and and it's really cool. It's it's awesome, but. I uh, can't not think of the curb your enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> I've theme never song. thought of that until just, <laughs> just now. Just, just, you ruined it. Whoop 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 whoop. It's it's right there. Tuba is the funniest instrument. It is. Just as it, if you uh. Well, this isn't. He's not playing a tuba like you see in a band where it's this humongous thing. But, it's still pretty big. But uh, yeah. in recent years, uh, with all like the right wing fascist pieces of shit doing stupid mar- marches and stuff, uh, there was an incident like. There was the Charlottesville thing that was awful in 2017. Yeah. 2018, there there was there was a pissant like version of that where like instead of 
like thousands of these fuckers. It was like literally like tens of guys showed up, like just like marching around. And then somebody like like as they were marching down the street, somebody like uh like followed them along, just started playing a tuba. Like <laughs> just like they're trying to do a little tuba. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tuba's the funniest instrument. It's, it's just funny, yeah. Like a banana is the funniest uh, 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 a fruit, fruit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slip and fall on the peel. It's... it's a lot funnier than an orange. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Makeup, though. Uh, Makeup, It's kind yeah. of like that Broadway musical style, almost. Yes, big time. In all seriousness, this is like, this is a the big uh, coming out, like, anthem. It's yeah. like, you're like, hey, kids, it's cool. Like, uh, doors are open, you know? We're, not, We're it, coming out. Out of the closets, into the streets, you know, the gay slogan yeah. uh, that was used in parades back then, you know, is is here on the first song on, on side two. It's, yeah, this is, this is a, this, there's a lot of celebratory, like, uh, songs on this, on this album, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think in a lot of ways, even through, like, maybe, like, a gritted fuck you here and there. This one's just like, yeah, deal with it. Look, we're, we're out here. We're cool. Yeah, parts of it are just listing different types of makeup. The first verse, pancake factor number one, eyeliner, rose hips, lip gloss, it's, you know, and rouge and perfume. Then, you're a slick little girl. It's repeated uh, throughout the song. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's so cool. I like, uh, I I, I also like just the, the, in the second verse where it's like, perfume and kisses and the way he goes ooh, ooh it's, <laughs> yeah. I, always, I, I like the way he's singing on this album yeah, it's, totally. the, and the, this song's very playful this might be like the most musical we've heard him sing so far on True. the record at least yeah. or so maybe so far in general you know? yeah, yeah definitely because like he has that speak song singing way of uh, doing things I, right. I keep on saying this speak is, song this that, is definitely more sing songy yeah but yeah that, this this one he's he's just like, like the way Paul McCartney talks <laughs> like, well everything is you know yeah 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 it's cool it's it's a cool song that I don't really have a, a ton about it yeah I just either. just that like I, I just I like that it's there it's it's cool I mean I'm not I'm not part of any uh like a cool like a lgbt like q groups or anything right be, being being who i am but like you know yeah, we're both straight white dudes yeah so, so i'm we're com- i'm i'm the outsider looking in right. on that sort of thing but like this is a, it's just it's a cool it's a cool anthem of the era yeah definitely i would say and it's like an interlude you know you're this is about to be side b it you wouldn't want to end the first side with the song so like that's the other thing you think you think about like if you're just listening to it like streaming or on right. a cd it's it, there's no split yeah there's know? no split but this is a good place to like start just like hey let's get our, get our bearings and like start start moving which is great because for the next track satellite of love that's it's an awesome one right and, track number seven satellite of love if you're a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, <laughs> I have to point this out right away. This yeah. is where they got it. <laughs> but yeah, it's and it's it's a great it's a great it's song. It's a great pop song. It's a great pop song. It's a great song about jealousy. It's I and and it's a it's one I've done at karaoke and embarrassed myself many many times over. Yeah, it's some kind of like I think of obsession. You know, mm-hmm. obviously this he's the satellite going around a planet and it's never going to stop. Yep. And then satellites had just gone up like in, in the real world or well, in the real, yeah, the real world. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, in it's true. World, in the uh, last, like shortly in, before this in in the decade would have been on TV and something he would have watched on television. In the decade before they they were going up all the time and we just landed on the moon. The Apollo 11 and Apollo 13 have already happened. 
And then mm-hmm. um, like the line, satellites go on way up to Mars. Soon it'll be filled with parking cars. Makes you think of that. Makes you think of something like Elon Musk is is hoping for. Yeah. Know? Well, you know what? Started he can go up there and lot. never come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even better, like on his way up there, like an accident could befall him. I'd be just fine with that. And then later on in the song, I've been told that you've been bold with Harry, Mark, and John. That's like the jealousy thing. I and have. People were wondering who's Harry, who's Mark, and who's John. And I heard in an interview, this is a while ago, Lou Reed said, it's just three names I made up, you know. It's not anybody from real life. I have the placeholder names that he was going right, with. Right, you had mentioned this too. Because this, this was one where like he what, there was a Velvet Underground demo, which is, right. there are some Velvet Underground demos that I wish were like the real song. But this one, the one on this album is better. But anyway, all that to say is the original names were Winky, Blinky, and Nod. Nod. <laughs> Okay. It's just yeah, it, it, he's he was embarrassed even like after the, immediately telling after the, the fact story, just telling yeah. that story. I, I love that. This song's also been covered by U two, which I I've heard that Ooh. that version, which is okay. Yeah. But the the bad one that I've heard a bunch was by Perry Farrell of Porno for Pyros and Jane's oh. Addiction fame. Okay. And that was on the Cable Guy soundtrack, which wow. I owned for some reason. That's a it's a deep dive, man. Yeah, I think I I know why I bought it because uh, Jerry Cantrell is on that soundtrack from Allison Chains. Okay, so he and he went solo for a minute. Does was, Jim Carrey sing "I Want Somebody to Love"? Yes, on he that does, soundtrack? and oh, it's it's <laughs> god awful. But I yeah. listened to it like a dozen times in the summer of '96. I don't know why. It was just because CDs were like way overpriced. It's like, well, I bought something. I really better appreciate better it. Get there's a pretty good Cracker song on there, I could say that okay. for the fact. But this, this uh, Perry Farrell cover of Satellite of Love, not good. I can I can attest to that. Not good at all. But this song is great. I, I've i been, you know, I've had my heart broken here and there. And this is this is one of those songs that's just, it's good for uh, just like, I'm going to drink too much tonight sort of song. Yeah. It's, it's, there's the other, the song in Goodnight Ladies, honestly. Yeah. Like pretty, pretty good for that. There's real pain, and but like again, the way he, the way the song like is structured, and then especially with the David Bowie like backing vocals that come in. Oh here. my god, it's the best it's Bowie gorgeous. backups on this record. Absolutely Definitely. gorgeous, best on the album. Yeah, the horns are really beautiful in it, and just when Bowie hits that high note, oh, he yeah. does it I think twice. Mm-hmm. Where he goes sad. Uh, woo, I'm not gonna do it. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and like for future reference, if you want to watch the VH1 classic albums on this album, Transformer, Lou is like at the boards and isolating the tracks. And yeah. It's like so cool just to hear that Bowie part mm-hmm. on its own without any other instrument. Yeah, a, a lot of the songs they like they like play around with the the audio, so the, the, cool. the whole mixing. It's not even a full hour, so like it's to- totally digestible. It's wonderful. This song, this album, repeating ourselves a little bit here, but man, is it great? Yeah. So with this song, I've always assumed that like the satellite of love is like you're you're infatuated this with this person, and that's the planet, and then you're the satellite, and uh, even if you don't want to think about this person, you're just constantly revolving, revolving, revolving around the planet. So I think the satellite is the narrator. I like that. Yeah. I yeah I never put it in that literal a term before. Yeah. I've I've always thought of it in an. In and then, an like, what's going to stop the revolving around it? Maybe a collision with a different satellite. You know how that yeah. goes in relationships and stuff. Maybe Harry. Maybe Mark. Maybe yeah. John. Yeah. Maybe all four get in a collision. Who knows? But that's. I mean, this song. I mean, I've been jealous. I've you know I I've 
that hard jealousy. I I stopped talking to a guy because he was with uh, someone that I was like I had feelings for, and I, yeah. and I regret that. And and I I think I even knew it at the time that it was just like you're you're being way too you're caring way too much. Like you're not going to care as much later yeah. on. But no, it's hard, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, Jealousy, it's, it's, it's son of a bitch. It's really rough. Yeah. Even if you're the type of person like I've tried to be, it's like, well, I don't really get jealous. It's like, well, that's No, a I mean, you're, you're a human being. <laughs> it catches up to you at some point. Like, nobody goes through this life without plenty of jealousy. Yet. Sure. I, I think I, it happens way less now than I did when I was a younger man. Right. When you're a kid, you're, yeah, you're I mean, figuring like, it all out. And it's... And, like, in here... Everything's more severe. And here, Lou life. is just just turned 30. Okay. So, like, he's like, yeah, so there's there's probably still a lot of that runoff there. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, that there's a, there's some serious heartbreak to this song it's wonderful okay track number eight wagon wheel no not that wagon wheel (laughs) (laughs) this track employs a similar intro to t-rex's bang a gong get it on it's not exactly the same but it has the same vibe there as far as lyrically there's you know like we had the hark the herald angels sing we have oh heavenly father in this one so there's a couple little christian or biblical references one thing i kind of drives me mad because uh but it's a small thing i it hit me today listening to this song but it's not the first time but like because the song starts off and it goes won't you be my wagon wheel and then you hear the backup singers going spoke spoke yeah but they don't do it again when he starts the the second second thing (laughs) it's like come on why wouldn't you hit that again that's that's fun then uh like the third line is like you gotta live your life it reminds the way he sings it reminds me of the old velvet underground that is yeah it's totally. just like, oh, he's doing that thing he used to do. Yeah. Like so he's awesome. doing the thing. He's doing the thing. I mean, it's just like a very basic rock song, but it's, you know, it's great. It's also, this is the song that, like, was rearranged from uh, the first album, the the third the third one, that uh, ripped off Brown Sugar, Walk and Talk. Okay. Uh, like, a, that, that he rearranged uh, some of the lyrics for this one. Uh, this became Wagon Wheel, which is the better song. Definitely. Yeah, be my wagon wheel. It's like keep me moving, I guess, and that makes you think of like um, the American expansion, like wagons moving west. I never thought of it that much. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. You know, I'm analyzing this stuff, and I might not be right. You know, but it's, well, you actually you're analyzing this song. This, this is the expansion could be like the springboard to future relations. You know, or, or different people in the future. Well, that you're you're jogging something in my brain because. Uh, this is the album where he's like he's more confident than the last one. Yeah. He's the gears are turning. The gears are turning in his head. Yeah. The wagon wheels are turning, are turning in his, in his, in his head, head yeah. there. You gotta live your life as though you're number one. Mm-hmm. I mean like he is like, kinda giving himself a pep talk in this song. And make a point of having yeah. some fun. Yeah. Which is like, Oh yeah. It's easy yeah. to forget that when he, we're so busy I, in He our was lives he was stuff. not having fun through like most of uh seventy and seventy one there. Yeah. So like yeah, he's like Again, this is sort of another celebratory tune. He's going out there. And then we have, you know, there's some violence in there, uh, especially the line, just kick her in the head and rearrange her. (laughs) It's, yeah, I mean, and he's, you know, he's had problems with domestic abuse against women in his personal real life. That gets into the next record. Which is serious business um, and nothing to make light of. I've heard the song a million times. I guess I never really listened, listened to like him saying like that he's going to like, kick somebody yeah. in this song yeah you're right it's right there that's wild because to me it always get, well before it, it's always you and the violent stuff is it's not it doesn't 
you know, this says her specifically, mm-hmm. rearrange her, kick her in the head. Yeah, it's... It, and knowing that he had, you know, abuse towards women in his personal life, it's, you know, it's it doesn't sit as well as with Vicious, where it's violence right. against uh, whoever, you know? This, well, that's the thing. Uh, because uh, things are, start changing really, really fast around this time, mm-hmm. a lot of things happen all at once, and the success, like, really, like, starts paying off with this album. Yeah, I mean, like, and then on top of that, you're doing, like, I don't know, pounds like tons of cocaine. Yeah. I mean, he probably was a very unpleasant person to like kind of know in some respects. Yeah, definitely in some respects. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's documented. It's just I'm I'm just saying like I'd rather I'd rather meet if I was going to meet Lou Reed at all, I would have been happy to have met him like, you know, in when he was an older man. Right. Absolutely. Clean and sober with some perspective than like the young guy in 1972 cuz Christ knows what that conversation would have been like. I yeah. probably would have gotten kicked in the head for saying the wrong thing or looking yeah, at the wrong thing. You never know. Okay, track number nine, New York Telephone Conversation. You've got that sing-songy voice again. Mm-hmm. It's back. And it serves as an interlude as well. It's very short, about a minute long. Yep. you got the Bowie backing vocals in there right. that are really, really nice. Yeah, this is all like sort of like, it's a click song. It's like a lot of this album is all about like the Andy stuff, but this is... I know it's specifically related to like just like gossipy gossipy stuff that's like going on like in the in the Andy Warhol yeah, circle circles, gossip. but you could also a- apply it to like I don't care where you are if you have a circle of friends or if if you're in a scene or if you just you have people like people talk and people talk at bars yeah. people people talk shit talk about the people that yeah. aren't there yeah and like the even if you're cool with them sometimes like it just happens I know I know I've been like, I hate gossip. Yeah. Did you hear about it's like you know, we're really, all guilty of it in some. There's some a really funny meme I love. Uh, I'm a Star Trek: The Next Generation fan. Okay. So, but like, if anybody knows uh, the Commander Riker, but like he's like the the big tall guy with the usually had a right. beard and everything. It's like me. It, I don't like gossip. Also, me. Gossip's happening. Like I got a story to tell. And he's got like his hand. He's like posing. He's like, all right, let me just tell you this story right now. Yeah. Like. I, I've Just been there. Once, I've been know. there. Like you know, if it's like you know, like midnight, and I've and I've had a few, and then like something happened, then oh yeah, I've done. I know I, I wasn't supposed to talk about this. But I, I've done that. Yeah, we've all been <laughs> and there. And people, it, it goes, it cuts every which way. It just happens, especially when when alcohol or other substances are involved. Yeah. And there's openings, closings, bad rap parties. You know, I would imagine that's referencing yeah. art galleries, yeah. the factory. Yeah, and everybody's talking stuff. shit on everybody else. Yeah, yeah. everybody's supporting Especially artists. I mean, yeah, you yeah. Know. It, they're a caddy bunch. Yeah, they, they're just like the musicians I've known and cheered the bill with and stuff. It's just like uh, we had this thing where we we're saying, how can we never play with the same band more than once? Like probably because they overhear us making fun of them. <laughs> it's like or not even making fun, just cracking a simple joke. It's just like. Yeah, I don't know about, you know. I mean, people are probably going to talk shit about us for doing this fucking podcast, oh, for yeah. Christ's well, sake. I'm welcoming that. Yeah, yeah and, and, that, like, n- and not just like leaving like crappy comments on whatever a meme platform, but like... Oh, they didn't just, even like, talk about X, Y, and Z, you know? Yeah, and by all means... Which we want to hear about. Yeah, yeah. tell us what, what we, we missed. missed. Exactly. Yes, we, we're here to learn. We're not here... We're here to partly inform, but we're, we're learning, and we want to go through this whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure the people that... At least I'll speak. I'll speak for me. I know anybody that doesn't like me already is already saying like, "Oh, this fucking guy's on this thing. I'm not listening to that." Yeah, or like, right. "What are you fucking doing?" And right now, I don't care because literally, we're just 
We're just doing this just to do it. This is a learning thing. Yes. You know, by, by the end of this, we're going to be semi-experts, you know? I hope Where, so. When we started, he's like, oh, I know a lot about Lou Reed. And the more research, and it's like, I didn't, I didn't know shit, you yeah. know? But yeah, New York conversation, very fun. I love the way it ends. Yeah, just like, interlude, yeah. d- just the, like... Oh, that piano the, high the, the note. Little, if I can't be with you. Ding. Ding. Yeah, it's Great. perfect. Awesome. Great song. Great little song. <laughs> Track 10, I'm So Free. Oh boy, this one's got some Bowie woohoos in it. It's that, that is the Bowie woohoo. This is like, and this is a, how can you like, people can't say this is a filler song, right? No, it's like, a straight not up, like, it's like, what was the other standard one? Standard rock song, yeah. The, like, Hanging Around got like tagged, you said got tagged yeah, as a, a filler? Yeah, a couple people wrote that in the articles that I was reading. So doing th- this is like, this. this is also, this This song's just as fun as Hanging Around. Yeah. It, like, and, and it's like, you know, and it's, if there wasn't Good Night Ladies, it would be the per- it would be a great upbeat closer for the record as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, but like it's this it, is another one. That sounds like it could be a Ziggy Stardust outtake. You totally, know, with all the Ronson riffage going on. If you really like, if they were going to play this live, if you had a time machine, you could ping pong between Lou Reed songs and David Bowie's the Ziggy yeah, yeah, Stardust songs, just trading back and forth, and it, it would fit fit seamlessly. I know we mentioned that before, but just like the dream concert for me would just would be like both albums just sort of not like back to back but like just intertwined as like one long like show that'd be amazing Absolutely. that 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 that's my idea heaven right there i'm sorry I'm throwing some stooges or whatever yeah why not yeah like it's, it, like, like, oh, it's a sacred triangle right uh, it's perfect uh, <laughs> this song is awesome this song starts off with like mother nature's son i mean i know there's a beatles song and maybe a reference to that I, I, I couldn't find anything in my research, but it's the closest I could have. You have Saint Germain, who is a French saint, the patron saint of abandoned, abused, and disabled people. Reference to Times Square, which definitely is not the same as it was back then. Back then, Times Square was a place where, uh, I hope nobody recognizes me here. And then today, it's like, look, I'm on Good Morning America. Look it's at me. It's Disney, like, it's the Disney Store. There's the New York Applebee's. There's whatever. It's it's a it's a clusterfuck. Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. The last time I guess I was there would have been when I saw American Psycho the musical in oh. in 2016. Okay. I went with my friend Jess. Times Square is uh, just it's just a meat market. But like I was there a little bit in the uh, 90s and it was just when it was really starting to get scrubbed up, but there was still yeah, a little bit of filth. Of it. Yeah, there was still there was still a bit of filth, but I remember in '97 MTV start moved moved in there. Yeah, and that was like that was definitely like if that wasn't the beginning of the end, I, I don't know what was. It's just because things just started changing. It's but, just endless like advertising. Yeah, and clean. Yeah, clean-ish. I mean like it's a thing where it's like I remember seeing one or two like dirty bookstores and peep shows and they were still like right. there were still adult theaters back in the 90s there but now I, I don't know what's there anymore it's just i mean it's just a different town i don't know how anybody can live there that's not like you know how can anybody drive a car through there yeah well i mean i've always i mean that always seemed intim- intimidating to me yeah. that's like you know i'm not a i'm not really a city guy in that respect and not a, not a new york city guy anyway i can i can deal with philly more than i can deal with new york um, and then by being, I'm so free, like, what does this mean? I mean, the opposite is in prison. Like, I've heard plenty of references of people that were in the closet. Like, I think of Tommy Keene has this lyric, uh, I was, of course, I was locked inside a shell. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he had, like, some kind of queer identity, and, and that's what that 
Okay. I'm of, of a couple of different like minds of that. Yeah, it's yeah. It, that's definitely one. The other is like, like again, this this record is is a celebration. If you're gonna take it one, you could take it the other way. You could possibly take it is that like he got away from like all the bad stuff that like that he didn't like about the Velvet Underground at mm-hmm. the end. Whatever was dragging him down with like bad management or just like the disagreements with his bandmates, Around, and just like, loaded. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, just all that stuff. Then. It, this is like he has a huge weight off his shoulders now. He's hit the ground running in a way, and yeah. the song feels like that. But then at the same time, you could also look at it as like maybe just from the music standpoint, because that guitar is so like crunchy and mm-hmm. weird. He's doing it. The, the lyrics say one thing, but the music is almost like cutting against them. Right. Like it's so like that that there's like things could be like going off off the tracks at any any moment. You know, it's like he's just he's just rolling. Yeah, he's so free. It's the second yeah. to last song, and it, it has a very positive sound to it as well. Yeah, yeah great man. song. I'm glad he's not writing heroin like the song heroin still. In yeah, he's not you writing heroin I mean? too. It has its place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, like, I, and that's the thing. I, there's toe tappers and good vibes on this album too. Lou Lou definitely wrote his share of bad songs later on, but like he. I, he didn't really repeat himself that much. Right. There is a song called "The Heroine" with the E at the end mm-hmm. on the blue mask, but that's totally different, like subject. He is not trying to write the same song like twice for the most part. If it happens, we'll we'll get there. This early on, he's going for like you know, totally different like mindset, totally different, totally different subject matter. And the final track, track eleven, "Good Night Ladies." What a closer. Uh, how many times personally have you listened to this on lonely Saturday nights, Paul? Because it okay. for me, like all of them for me, that's that's. Oh, listen to this. Yeah, this song. Just but, when I'm listening to the whole, this is a record that I listen to the whole thing. I don't, you know, pick around or I don't skip songs on. I, I make play. Uh, I made a lot of playlists. So, so like, yeah, it is. It does have that vibe. I mean, I think they used a real Oompa band in in London that they brought in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Herbie is back on the tuba again, of course, and it has like that lounge act kind of style, almost like a Dixieland yeah. later in the song. Um, and played differently, this could even be like lyrically and everything like a, a Billy Joel song. Could I say, oh. hello, 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 Long Islander, Billy Joel? <laughs> I mean, even, I, I, even I, loose I, singing in this like goofy old timey kind of way. It's He's really still funny. Unbelievably cool. Though. He is very cool. This song is is depressing a little bit but it's but it's also very very funny it, it's, it's it has a piano bar kind of thing yeah. whether it's tom waits or like a billy joel kind of thing it i could, guess it could yeah work, I, play I, differently. I, I mean i'll allow it i it's just like but like when i my immediate thing with billy joel Why did you is just cringe it's just like uh, that bj, that, uh, BJ. Well, has anybody from, called it bj to his face and lived especially <laughs> but uh you know fellow long i thought they're both both from the island, so... Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's, and just this whole record, there's so much telephone talk. It's just, it's just like... Then just talk about, like, uh, 11 o'clock network news. It's like another, like, affection he seems to have for the normal life. Yeah. The white picket fence and eating his TV dinner. That, like, I was, what many would consider boring compared to, like I said, his, his underworld songs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, comparatively to the rest of the record, it's this is, it's like... punk to be normal at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, or, like, you know, like, sometimes you just... If he had stuff going on, then this is just one of those times where like things didn't work out that weekend, right? You know, and so like yeah, and like and he's and he's heartbroken, so like yeah, I'm just I'm just hanging out now, and like I've I've been there, 
I'm never not there. But I think the difference is now compared to when I first uh, heard this album, it's like, you know, like I look forward to a boring Saturday night anymore. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> if nothing's going on, I was like, cool, cool, good. like uh, rest. I I can I I don't have to work on Sunday. Cool, which isn't always the case anymore. Yeah. So like that means looks like I'm gonna be watching Breaking Bad all the way through for like for the seventh or eighth time, and like I, that's a that's a good Saturday night for me sometimes. And this also has that musical like Broadway musical kind of thing. Now if I was an actor, and it's got these beats yeah, that you don't I, hear anywhere else on the album. It's so yeah. cool. It, like it it he's the songs. Very, I know I'm repeating myself a little bit, but it's playful. It's fun. It's and also kind of taking itself seriously, but not. Yeah, he's still a cool guy in the yeah. leather jacket and sunglasses, but he's having fun and not just being, you know, just morose with it. Yeah, know? I think it's it's a it's a fun way of being morose, yeah. if I could say that. The only thing he's I, still missing his other half, as he yeah. says in the lyrics. One <laughs> thing I can't like. I was thinking today because uh, he's like. I mean to tell you, it's a lonely yeah, Saturday. Like... But and then I almost wish it, this had gone on a few more, a little bit longer, so you could say, "We really mean it." <laughs> it's a lonely Saturday night. Trips, yeah. <laughs> but he does. What, what's that little bit? It's like one I more. I mean to tell you. <laughs> what's that last bit he says just before like the final closer? Oh, just one like, more word. Yeah, like, like, that. Yeah, yeah that, like that, that, that is really fun. Yeah. It's really funny. But like, no, I'm, he ends it on such. <laughs> a fun note it's like also like maybe don't take this so seriously even though yeah. that's the whole objective that of is podcast, yeah I it's guess, it's well we that's have. lou reed in in a nutshell it's like take me seriously but don't take me seriously right. i i think i think that's his whole career no it, this album has a dichotomy where it's yeah. like this is serious and should be taken as uh scholarly music you know and yeah. all that and at the same time it's just like dude it's just fun yeah it's a dude having fun if if we were taking this like too uh like scholarly then even i wouldn't listen to this right yeah. that's uh, like and, I, and i'm guys. doing this thing right now we're not gonna like edit out our laughter and stuff like i that. hope not. i don't know but what I mean, you're gonna do it's with an the absolute gem of an album it's a classic album uh for lou and and just for all of rock music and all music in general this is yeah like final thoughts for me that i i didn't like i've gone out of order from when i first i came into this one after listening to like three or four other records Some first. Of the later stuff? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I stumbled into Lou Reed, mm-hmm. like, just straight up. Because, like, I'm pretty sure I've heard this heard this song, this song Walk on the Wild Side, and Perfect Day, and right. Satellite of Love here and there, but didn't really, like, click properly, you know, for me. Because I, I came into the... I stumbled into this weird. This is, uh yeah, this is, like, this is up there with, like, Obviously, one of like my favorite albums of his, but oh, yeah, like this is one of my favorites. And it's just one by of my, anybody, but yeah. by anybody, any anywhere. And it's just it's the one like if I'm gonna play it for some for somebody's like oh who is this guy like I've given this album a, a, as a as like a gift before to oh, people great. Yeah. you know just like trying to get somebody into share like if share Aliens came from space and yeah like, who's Lou Reed it's like just well take then this one, yeah here you, know? you go there, it's a yeah. good summary of overall is. It's a summary of like who he was as a songwriter, big time. And, and like it's, we've said before on here, it's like when I think of Lou Reed, just like randomly, this is like what I think of. This this, yeah, this is one of them. But it's, I also don't know a lot of the later stuff, which I'm hoping to find out by doing this. Podcast. Yeah, because it's not my favorite because I know of what's coming what's later. Come, there's yeah. there's stuff there's stuff in even in the next record, especially right. which I've I've grown to appreciate a lot more. It's this one is the most. Sa- 
I want to say sanded down, but it is the it is definitely the most polished he ever gets. Yeah. Because and he's and he's thirty right now. He's thirty years old. He's he can really still sing as well as he ever could comparatively to later when like his voice changes. Right. Just just from age and abuse. Yeah, it sounds yeah. aged, right? Yeah. It, it it, but like that he uses that to his advantage. And he's not the only guy where that happens to. Leonard Cohen, who had who really had a gorgeous voice in the 70s yeah. when you go into the 80s i mean he's a gravelly like scarred nightmare of a man and he uses it to his benefit lou reed same thing he plays to his strength and like as his his uh his style like changes going forward he's he becomes frankly more interesting to me but i i really love this album yeah i, I love everything he's doing here it's it's one of the more poetic and stylized like records he ever makes people will claim it's their favorite I, a it's might be just out of pure ignorance because they don't know the rest of it and i understand it's like this is the record that like got like got the big push but going forward i can't wait for you to hear the the stuff the stuff, the stuff, the stuff that you haven't heard yet or haven't like fully appreciated yeah it's gonna be great for more references on uh this all the stuff i was talking about regarding walking the wild side so you don't think i'm just a bullshit artist over here yeah uh i'd highly recommend the podcast death panel uh there is an episode that they did on march 31st 2022 where they have an a, a genuine expert talking about like uh the the history of trans and gender non-conforming identity and that specifically speaks to some of the stuff that was going on in the 70s and the 80s and some of the history that's going on to this very day regarding like trans trans people and the laws therein. So please, please check them out only after you've finished listening to this episode, which hopefully you've gotten to the end of. Also, you can check out the 33 and a third series of books. Uh, there's one on Transformer by Ezra Furman, and that was a great help. Episode three will be on the 1973 record Berlin. Until next time, we're talking over here. Talking low. (laughs) Talking low. Talking low. You like singing about drugs. Is this because you like taking drugs yourself? No. It's um, because I can't carry when I go through customs. I figure somebody in the audience. Were you searched by our customs men for drugs? Oh, no, because I don't take any. No drugs at all? Mm Mm-mm. And yet you sing about them. I'm high on life. Do you want people to take drugs themselves? Is this perhaps why you sing about drugs? Oh, yeah, I want them to take drugs. Why is this? Because it's better than Monopoly. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, please tell all your friends and give us a positive review on iTunes. If we missed something you think we should have covered, please send us a DM on Instagram. We're at Destroy All Radio Inc., I-N-C, and uh, let us know, and we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode. Talking Lou is brought to you by Destroy All Radio Inc. It's not like we got fat crotches or anything. No, but We're in you good know, shape. I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs>